It's great to see you here today. Thank you for sharing in another incredible time of worship. You may be familiar with the name Mahatma Gandhi. Gandhi was the great Hindu leader, Indian nationalist. Even though he was much immersed in Hinduism, there was a time when Gandhi was very, very much interested in Christianity. In fact, when he was a young man practicing law in South Africa, he did a lot of study of Scripture, looked at the Bible, and he was very much impressed with Jesus, particularly Jesus' teachings as we find them in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In fact, Gandhi was so impressed with Jesus that he was seriously considering becoming a Christian. So on a particular Sunday, he decided that he was going to join uh, the Christians in a church that was nearby. And so he made his way to the church. He got to the door of the church. And when he arrived at the door of the church, he was met by one of the church elders, an Englishman who looked at him and said, who are you? Where do you think you're going? Gandhi said, well, I was hoping that I could worship here. I'm interested in finding out more about Christianity. And the elder snarled at him and said, there is no room for your like in this church. Get out of here or I'll have my associates toss you down the steps. Now that one single incident of racism caused Gandhi to absolutely reject Christianity and turn to Hinduism with incalculable results for the nation of India and also for the world. Some years later, many years later as a matter of fact, when the great missionary E. Stanley Jones was ministering in India, he ran into Gandhi, who was by this time a well-known sage and Hindu leader. And E. Stanley Jones went up to Gandhi and said, Mr. Gandhi, I, I just have to ask you a question. He said, you speak about Christ all the time. You refer to his teachings, and yet you adamantly reject becoming his follower. May I ask you why? Gandhi's reply was this. He said, oh no, I have not rejected Christ. I love your Christ. I just don't love your Christians because your Christians are so often so unlike Christ. If you Christians would really live your lives according to the teachings of Jesus as found in the Bible, all of India would be Christian today. I want you to think about that as we come this morning to continue our study in the book of Philippians, a study we've entitled, Life Doesn't Have to Be Perfect to Be Wonderful. And this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to take every single thing you know about Christianity or that you think you know about Christianity, and I want to mix it up. And I want to boil it down, and I want to condense it, and I want to give it back to you in the most simple terms I can think of, in a very succinct, simple, and yet very important statement. Here it is. Being a Christian means 
imitating Christ. Being a Christian means imitating Christ. The goal of every single one of us here today who would dare to name the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior of life, our pursuit, our passion must be to imitate Christ in all things, in all places, and at all times. This is Christianity. Now, I want to tell you sometimes, I, <laughs> I want to... Uh, I want to get all discombobulated. I, 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 want, to, I, I want to shake. I, I want to yell <laughs> when I think about this because this, this is such a simple truth. Christianity is about imitating Christ. So simple. And yet so often it seems to get so lost because we have this tendency to think that the goal of Christianity is achieving I don't know, a certain level of theological knowledge. Or it's arriving at a certain state of, of moral excellence. Or perhaps it's realizing a certain degree of spiritual sensitivity. We think that the goal of the Christian life sometimes is to know and obey the Word of God or to worship and pray. Or we think that the goal of the Christian life is to share the gospel with people or to get to heaven. No. Those are all good things we need to aspire to. But the goal of the Christian life, my friend, if you're a Christ follower, your pursuit should be to imitate Jesus Christ in everything, in every place, and at all times. That's what we're after. I want to share some verses with you here. They're, they're in your message guide. The Apostle John, 1 John 2, 6, says it this way. The one who says he belongs to Christ should live the same kind of life Christ lived. Could that be any plainer? The Apostle Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. He, that is Jesus, is your example. You must follow in his steps. And the Apostle Paul, in Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse 19, writes, My children, I am in terrible pain until Christ may be seen living in you. The goal, the pursuit, the passion of the Christian life must be to imitate Jesus Christ in all things, in all places, and at all times. And here's, here's the thing. All those other things I talked about a minute ago, having theological knowledge, having greater spiritual sensitivity, developing moral excellence, knowing and obeying the Word of God, sharing the gospel, worshiping, praying, going to heaven, <laughs> all of those things happen when we are pursuing Christ-likeness, when our heart and our passion is to become more and more like Him, when we are imitating Christ in all things, in all places, and at all times. That's what the Apostle Paul is, is telling us this morning in our text from Philippians. 
He begins with this call to imitate Christ. I want you to look at it with me in verses 17 and 18. English Standard Version reads this way, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, this, this may sound at first blush like an incredibly egotistical, vain kind of statement. Paul's saying, imitate me. If you want to know what it's like to be a Christian, if you want to know what it's like to be a follower of Christ, here's the deal. Imitate me, look at my life, make it the pattern for your life. And this isn't the only place where Paul says this. 1 Corinthians 4, 16, same thing. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Now that is quite a statement, and I want to ask you, what does it take to be able to make a statement like that? Does it take having some kind of super egotistical view of yourself? Does it mean that you think you're perfect, that you would dare to say to somebody, why don't you imitate me and you'll be imitating Christ? No, it doesn't, doesn't take any of those things. Paul wasn't perfect. He said, we saw last week, chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, I'm not perfect. A long way from it. I've not obtained this yet. You see, the key to understanding Philippians 3, 17, 18, 1 Corinthians 4, 16 is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Do you see it there? What does he say? Be imitators of me as I am what? Of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul was imitating Christ. He was constantly striving to be like Christ. He was measuring his life by the example of Christ in all things, in every place, and at all times. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's why Paul could say, hey, imitate me. Now, I've got a question for you this morning. You ready for it? It's a question for you. It's a question for me. Here it is. Can I say this? Can you say this? Can you, can you single out the people in your life, your husband, your wife, parents, your kids, kids, your parents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your best friend, your neighbors, your fellow church members, the people who live around you, can you say to them, hey, look at me. Look at me and you'll see what Jesus is like. Look at me, you'll see what it means to follow him. If you want to imitate Jesus, if you want to be like Jesus, then imitate me. Can you say that? Can I tell you something this morning? This might be a little heavy for you. If you're a Christian, you ought to be able to say that. Not because you're perfect. Okay, you're going to make mistakes along the way. You know? Ruth, am I perfect in this? No. Tolly, am I perfect in this? No. We're not talking about perfection. But we are talking about the trajectory of your life. We're talking about the desire of your heart. We're talking about the pursuit of your life. It's to imitate Christ in all things, 
in every place, and at all times. Now, in order to help you understand why this is so important, let me point out a couple of things to you in these verses we have looked at, verses 17 and 18. There's a couple of words here I want to spend a little bit of time on. The first word is translated, imitate me, or some translations will say, follow my example. The English Standard Version says, join in imitating me. I've actually put the Greek word there for you. You can look at it, simimetai. I put it there because hopefully you can see and hear in that the word symmetry. Most of us understand what it means for something to be symmetrical. If something is symmetrical, it means you can draw a line right down the middle of it, and both halves are going to line up exactly. They're going to be the same, both sides. They match. One side's the same as the other. There's no deviation. This is also the word from which we get our English word mimic. And a mimic is someone who simply imitates someone else. A mimic studies the life of another person, immerses himself in in the life of another person, studying his mannerisms and his characteristics. And then he reproduces those things in his own life. This is what Christianity is all about, church. I can't make it any simpler. This is what we're called to do as followers of Christ. We study the life of Christ. We get to know the mind of Christ. We learn the qualities and the characteristics of Christ. And then we let God, through His Holy Spirit, reproduce those things in our lives. We become imitators of Christ. Our lives are symmetrical. They line up with Jesus' life. They're the same. This is what Paul did. This was Paul's passion. This was Paul's pursuit. He said in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, there again, you became imitators of us and you became imitators of the Lord. Paul's goal, Paul's passion, his heartbeat was to imitate Christ in all things, in every place, and at all times. Then there's a second word here. It's the word example or pattern. Again, the ESV reads, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. This is the word typon. It's it's the word from which we get our English word type. Now, in our age and in our culture, when we print things, uh, when we publish things, everything's digitized today. So we don't use type anymore. But before the age of computers and digitization, type was used. If you remember the old typewriters, the manual typewriters, remember those? Some of you may have never laid eyes on one. I saw one the other day for the first time in, I don't know when, somebody was selling it for some outlandish amount of money, but these old typewriters, and, and if, you, if you've ever seen one or used one, they're, they're these metal keys, and on the tip of it, there's, there's a letter, metal letter, and when you strike the key, that, that letter hits a ribbon, and it leaves an exact imprint, an exact representation of that letter on the paper. Now, in Paul's day, they didn't have typewriters, but this was a word that was used for the making of coins, In Paul's day, you would take a metal disc, usually of brass, and you would take a die or a type, 
and you would take a hammer and you would strike the die and you would leave on that metal blank an imprint of the image that was on the type. And so then you had a coin with the face of the emperor or something like that on it. If you understand these words and what they mean, then hopefully it helps you understand what God wants to do in us. He wants to take his Holy Spirit and he wants to imprint on our lives the very image of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is to be seen in our lives, in everything we do, in everywhere we go, at all times in our lives. That's what Romans 8, 29 says, right? Those God foreknew, he what? He predestined to be conformed, shaped to the image of his son. This is our goal. This is our pursuit. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means you imitate Christ in all things, in all places, and at all times, in our speech, in our conduct, in our thought life, in our public life, in our private life, at church, at home, in our social life, at work, at school, whatever it is, we're to imitate Christ. We're to live according to the example that we see and have in him. You might remember that when Jesus called his first disciples, his instructions were very simple. Two words in English anyway. You remember what they were? Follow me. Follow me. Those words have not been changed. They have not been improved upon. That is still the call of Jesus to every one of us here today. Follow me. Imitate me. That's why John said if you belong to Christ, you should live the same kind of life. Christ lived. That's why Paul said, I'm in pain until Christ is fully formed in you. That's why Peter said, Jesus, here's your example. Follow in his steps. Imitate Christ in all things, in every place, and at all times. Now, why is this so critically important? Why is it so important that you and I understand that the call and the pursuit to follow Christ means imitating Christ in all things. Well, let me share something with you here that tells us why it's so important. Verse 18 of Philippians chapter 3 reads this way. Paul says, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, this isn't a message on the cross of Christ, but we need to understand what Paul's talking about here. Let me make it simple for you. The cross of Christ symbolizes everything that Jesus Christ came here to do. You cannot think of Jesus and not think of the cross. So when Paul talks about enemies of the cross of Christ, He's talking about those who oppose everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus came to do. So this is strong language when he says, I need to tell you there's some enemies of the cross of Christ around here. So I need to say several things about this. Number one, first of all, when Paul talks about enemies of the cross of Christ, he's not talking about people out there. He's talking about people in here. He's not talking about people of the world. 
He's actually talking about people in the church. Now, this is heavy. But I want you to remember that when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, he wasn't writing it to unbelievers. He was writing it to Christians. He was writing it to those who professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says these are people in the church. He's not writing to people of the world. Second thing, that's, that's bad enough. Second thing's even worse. Paul says there are many of these folks around. Many of these folks around, right? I've told you before, and now I'll tell you again, even with tears, many, not a few, not some, but many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, that's hard for us to hear, but, but we need to hear it. We need to understand what Paul is saying here. So the third thing I want to show you is that this word translated enemies comes from a Greek word that refers to someone who is hostile and someone who actually causes harm. So he's talking about people in the church who are hostile to the cause of Christ and who bring harm to the cause of Christ. Think about the story of Gandhi that I told you. This kind of harm, this kind of negative testimony, because we're not imitating Christ at all times and in all things and in every situation. So we're talking about someone who causes harm, but you don't have to be like that English elder. You don't have to be belligerent. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be a racist. If you look at the word enemy and you trace it back to its Latin roots, you'll find the word enemisi. Enemisi, enemy. The interesting thing about that word in, in the Latin language is that if you divide it up, it's really a compound word. It's two words put together. You get the word in, which means not, and then you get the root word amicus, which means friend. So when Paul says enemies of the cross of Christ, enemies to the purposes of Christ, what he really means is people who are not friendly toward the things of Christ, toward the purposes of Christ. Why? Because they're, they're not following the example of Christ. They're not imitating Christ, and therefore they oppose the values and the teachings and the purposes of Christ. They make Christ look bad because they're not following his example. That's what Gandhi said. I love your Christ. I don't love your Christians because your Christians are so often so unlike Christ. Now, this is serious stuff. So, so I want to I say this as we, as we move through this. If Paul is really talking about church people here, and he is, and if he says there's many of them, and there are, and if these folks are hostile towards the things of Christ and bring harm to the cause of Christ, how in the world do I make sure I'm not one of these folks? I don't want to be one of them. How do I make sure? Well, Paul gives us some characteristics of these folks. I want you to look at them with me very quickly. Characteristics of those who are enemies of the cross. Verse 19. Paul says, let me describe them for you. Several things. Four. 
Number one, their, their destiny is destruction. Number two, their God is in their stomach. Number three, their glory is in their shame. And number four, their mind is set on earthly things. Now, this is interesting because ancient writers like Paul did things differently than the way we do them today. When I ask a, a student to write a paper, I'm usually going to ask that student, give me, give me the causes that lead to the result. A plus B plus C equals D. Well, Paul does just the opposite here. This was something that ancient writers did. They, they start with the end result, and then they give you the causes. So I want to reverse Paul's order here so that we can follow this in a logical progression that we understand. So I'm going to do it backwards, but I want to look at these phrases. The first one, their mind is set on earthly things. Let me give you a translation. Translation, hey, I basically live an unspiritual life. I live my life running after the things of the world instead of pursuing Christ. I don't consistently think about the things of God. I don't consistently think the thoughts of God. I don't practice the presence of Christ in my life on a daily basis. I just, my life between Sundays is not consumed with imitating Christ. I, my mind is set on earthly things. Number two, their glory is in their shame. Translation, sin doesn't really bother me. Okay, I, I, I've gotten pretty comfortable with some things that I really ought to be uncomfortable with. Maybe it's the way I talk. Maybe it's the way I dress. Maybe it's the way I present myself to other people. Maybe it's the way I behave when I'm with a certain group, but I'm okay with what, according to God's Word, is not okay. I regularly give in to my passions. My fleshly nature comes out in my actions and reactions, my words and my thoughts. I live my life the way I want to live it without giving any thought or feeling any guilt about the fact that I am not living my life imitating Christ in all things, in all places, and at all times. I'm, sin doesn't really bother me. Number three, their God is their stomach. Translation, my appetites control me. I give in to the urge of the moment. I say what I want to say, think what I want to think, do what I want to do in response to what's going on around me. If everybody else is doing it, I'm fine doing it. If everybody else is thinking it, I'm fine thinking it. Okay, I just, I, I give in to my appetites, I give in to my urges. And then these three things, Paul says, okay, lead to the result. Their destiny is destruction. Translation, I think I'm right with God when I'm not right with God. I think everything's okay when it's not okay. And I don't realize that I'm headed down a pathway to ruin. That's what, that's what this means. In fact, that word destruction, if you look at it there, means ruin. It means lost. It means waste. Literally, it comes from a word that means to cut off or to sever something. And what Paul is really saying to us is this. If I live an unspiritual life, if I'm not bothered by sin, if I live the way I want to live, if I'm not imitating Christ in all ways, in all things, and in all places, and at all times, I'm cutting myself off. I am severing myself from everything that God wants to do in my life. Now, that can mean a couple of things, and both of them bother me. But I want to make an allowance for the fact that maybe you don't think it's important to imitate, imitate Christ in all things, but yet you're still a Christian. I, I'm, 
I'm not real sure that's possible, but I'm not the judge, and I can't make a judgment on it. But if you claim to be Christ, and you're not imitating Christ or trying to imitate Christ in all things, in all ways, and at all times, then you're a Christian maybe, maybe, but you're a Christian like we find in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. I'll let you read those verses, but basically it says... You're going to be saved by the skin of your teeth. You're going to come to the end of your life, and everything you've built your life upon is going to be a waste. It's going to be a loss. It's going to be ruin. Because you you cut yourself off from everything of value that God wanted to do in your life and with your life because you didn't think it was important to imitate Christ in all things, in all places, and at all times. That's one possibility, I guess. But the other possibility is that perhaps you're not really a Christian at all. And if that's the case, you fall into the category of those mentioned in Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only that person is going to enter. Let me tell you, when you stand before Christ and when I stand before Christ, it's not going to cut it for you to say or for me to say, hey, but I was in church. I tried to live a good life. No, the question is going to be, were you doing the will of the Father in heaven, which is to imitate Christ in all things and in all places and at all times? We really do need to go back to the question that was popular 10, 15 years ago. What would Jesus do? Do you remember that? What would Jesus do? That is the question we need to ask ourselves in every situation we find ourselves in. We need to ask, what would Jesus do? We need to study his life. We need to go to his word. We need to look at his character, the way that he lived his life. And then we pattern our lives after him in all things. Because to be a Christian means you imitate Christ. In all things, in all places, and at all times. You say, well, pastor, this, man, this is kind of a bummer of a message. Kind of a downer. You got me wondering where I stand. No, that's not my intention this morning. What I want you to do is leave here excited about the fact that you're called to imitate Christ. There is a lot of excitement about what God calls us to do in following Christ. Let me give you a couple of reasons here as I close this morning. Number one, the Bible tells me, and it tells me clearly, that if I'm really a follower of Christ, one day I'm going to live with Jesus. One day I'm going to live with him. Paul says our citizenship is where? In heaven. We're not citizens of earth. This is not our home. We are citizens in heaven, citizens of heaven. So we ought to be excited about living like that right here on earth. And that means imitating Christ in all things, in every place, and at all times. Demonstrating to a world that is already cynical, unbelieving, that Christ really does make a difference in us, and we demonstrate that as He lives out His life through us every single day, every place that we find ourselves.
And then a second reason why this is exciting is this. Do you understand that the Bible says one day I really am going to be like him? One day I'm going to be made like him. Verses 20 and 21 of Philippians 3. We eagerly await a Savior from there, from where? From heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. One day we're going to be made like him. One day we really are going to be like him. So why don't we start living like it now? Why don't we let people see he really makes a difference in us now? There was an old, gosh, one of the earliest, uh, well, I guess what we call contemporary Christian choruses ever, ever to come out. Back years ago, there was, a, there was a group called the Pat Terry Group. I don't know if anybody remembers or ever heard of the Pat Terry Group, but, but they sang a song, and the message of the song was this. One day, I'm going to step out of this earth, and I'm going to step into heaven, and when I do, I don't want there to be no big change. That's what they said. I don't want there to be no big change. In other words, I don't want to step from time into eternity and all of a sudden be something that I totally wasn't on earth. My life needs to be symmetrical. It needs to be the same on this side as on that side. It needs to conform to the image of Christ in everything. The words I speak, the actions I'm involved in, the people I hang out with, the testimony that I give. One day I'm going to be like him, be like him now. 1 John 3, 2, but we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he really is. It's an invitation to imitation, and it is exactly what the Christian life is all about. Mix it up, boil it down, condense it. It's all about this, being a Christian means imitating Christ in all things, in every place, all the time. If you Christians had truly lived out the teachings of Christ, as we find them in Scripture, all of India would be Christian today. I want to say that's probably true for any place I could think of. If you and I, as followers of Christ, would really live out the example of Christ, if we would really follow the teachings of Christ, if we would really imitate Christ in every place, in every way, and at all times, how many, how many, would also come to imitate Him because they see the difference that He makes in us. Paul said, I'm in pain until Christ is formed in you. Would that be your pain today? Would that be your passion? Would that be your purpose? That Christ would be formed in you today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word.
Lord, there's a lot we could say about what it means to be a Christian, a lot of good things that we would all agree with. But I have a hard time grabbing hold of anything much more simple than what we've seen today. And I pray as we get ready to walk out these doors, just a few minutes, that we would hear that clear call, that invitation to imitation. That our lives would line up with and be symmetrical with the image of Christ. That you, by your Spirit, would imprint indelibly upon our hearts, our minds, our lives, our actions the very image of Christ. We go forth from this place not just saying that Christ makes the difference, but living it, showing it, speaking it everywhere, in all things, at all times. Help us understand that the question, what would Jesus do, is not a fad, it's not a fashion. It's a fact. We need to appropriate into our lives so that you can take us, use us, so that we don't come to the end of life and find it to be a ruin and a waste and a loss. To get into heaven, so to speak, just by the skin of our teeth, saved as through the very flames of hell itself. Or worse, to find that we didn't even really know you because we were playing the church game and involved in a lot of religiosity without living our lives every single day, imitating Christ in all things. So Lord, speak to us today if we, if we need to come and we need to surrender some area of our life. Maybe it's our speech. Maybe we've got a hard, hard time with profanity or or coarse language. That's not imitating you. Maybe we've got some kind of sexual addiction. Pornography. Sexting. All kinds of things. that That's not imitating you. Maybe we like to gossip, run people down. That's not imitating you. Maybe we're dealing with angry temper, lack of patience, lack of love, lack of forgiveness. Oh, we could go on and on and on. None of those things are imitating you. Form Christ in us, O oh God. May His image be indelibly stamped into our lives so that you can use us to make a difference is our prayer in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing this morning. We're going to sing together. And as we do, these altars are open. If you need to come, you need to pray, you need to ask God to do a work in some area of your life, I'm here to pray with you if you want to unite with this church family. If you need to rededicate your life, God's dealing with you. Come on right now. You sing. Let God speak. You come right now.